Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. not only the joy of the music of our contemporary worship, but also have the opportunity to hear God's word for all of us this day, to be inspired and edified and equipped to do whatever you need to do in the days ahead. So we're so thankful that you are with us. We are also going to have our 11 o'clock traditional worship after this. So at 11 o'clock, we'll be live streaming that worship service. And if you want to dumble dip on Sunday morning, we would love to have you stay with us. But it's also there for you. So maybe you would just like to have a little bit of the liturgy and then go about your day. That's fine, too. We don't require that you sit through the entire thing. The other opportunity that some people have shared with us is that with having both worship services, if you watch one on Sunday and participate in that one, it provides you another opportunity later on in the week to go back and have a midweek praise service or a midweek prayer service, depending on which worship service you watch. So we commend all of that to you. And you may have noticed this morning that we had the countdown clock. The idea behind that is it'll let you log on and get ready, and then you don't have to rush to try to get into the worship service. So hopefully that is a blessing to you as our worship team has been working on making it easier for you to join us in our worship on Sunday morning. Speaking of our tech team, we are looking for new people to join our tech team. There are about a dozen of us this morning here, not including Jesus, and a lot of our presence here is helping our tech team between all of our video and our audio. And so if you would like to be a part of that, we would be happy to train you. You don't have to worry about coming with experience or there's a whole bunch of us here to help and we would love to have you be a part of our worship team. In the Bible, the priesthood was assisted by the Levites. And so this is your opportunity to fill a new modern version of a biblical role. And if you're interested in that, then you are welcome to reach out to us or leave a message in the comments and we'll get back to you. Thank you so much for considering helping helping us continue our ministry of the word and worship. And I have filmed four mini videos that are about 10 minutes each about racism that we're going to be releasing. And each one focuses on a different aspect of the United Methodist Church. There's one on the United Methodist Book of Discipline, which is our law book. There's one on the Book of Resolutions, which is our policy book. There's one on scripture, and there's one on the history and tradition of racism in Methodism. And so we commend all of those to you, and you'll see more information about those as it's given me an opportunity as a clergy here in Crozet, Virginia, in order to reflect and perhaps offer some insights and where our church has been so that we can discern together where we should go with regards to this issue and the pain and the suffering that it causes, not only here, but all over the world. So we commend that to you. And we're also called to be a people of prayer. So this week, we want to encourage you to share your joys and your concerns through our online prayer site. If you go to our website, there's a place where you can submit your prayers. If you haven't done this yet, this is a perfect opportunity to get familiar with it so that in times of need, you can certainly reach out and our prayer team can join you and surround you with prayer. Um, if you don't have something of concern, then we would love to hear your joys. Don't ever un underestimate how much the prayer team loves to hear celebrations and good things. And no thing is too small that the body of Christ and God don't want to hear about your good things. 
We tell this to the children in preschool chapel all the time. God wants to hear about all of your joy. So you can certainly submit those, and we would love to uplift those with you as well. So commend all of that to you. And without further delay this morning, we're going to begin with our worship music to help us to come together and unite our voices as one and to get everything, our bodies and our minds and our spirits, ready to worship and hear God's word. This morning, we're going to start with Here I Am to Worship.
time in our worship service when we want to focus a little bit on our children, but hopefully this will be applicable to children of all ages. And today, the scripture text for the sermon is a psalm. So again, like we talked about last week, those are a book of songs. So this was originally a song, and it's attributed to King David. And you might know about King David. He started off as a young shepherd boy. And when we first start reading about him in scripture, it's after he goes to visit his older brothers who are helping the army of Israel, and he ends up taking on Goliath who was trying to bully Israel and bully the soldiers and was threatening to beat them up and hurt them. And David stood up to the bully. And so David has a long history of struggling to do the right thing and feeling God's presence and God's blessing. So when King David, who was gifted in music, started to write songs, they resonated so deeply. And resonate means that what he said was felt by other people. They felt like David could be talking about them or to them. And so they continued to have his songs. You might have songs that you like and other friends of yours or other people in your family, they go, I love that song too. That's what it means for a song to resonate. And so David wrote songs. And the song that we're going to look at today is not a happy song. It's kind of a sad song. And David is talking about how he feels alone and how he feels like everyone is against him. And the one person that he knows is for him is God. And so as we grow older, sometimes we encounter people who are very sad. We might have times where we get sad or we might notice that somebody else, whether it's our parents or other members of our family or our friends or our teachers or people who are our neighbors or people that we encounter in church, they might be feeling sad. And sometimes you can see it on their faces and sometimes you can kind of sense it from how they are in their body and sometimes they'll tell you with their words. And the struggle for all of us, whether we're children or adults, is that we want to figure out what we can do to bless people when they are feeling sad. And sometimes it's reminding them that we love them, that we care about them. Sometimes it's showing them acts of love and kindness, whether it's a pat on the hand or whether it's a hug or whether it's sending them a card or writing them a card. There are a lot of things that we can do that God encourages us to do so that they know that they are not alone. Because we're going to hear today how King David felt so alone. He didn't feel like anybody here on earth wanted to help him and be with him. But he knew that God still did. And our job as people who are in the church and people who want to follow Jesus is to help make sure people don't feel like King David did. That there's nobody with them. And that God seems to be so far away when we are sad and upset and lonely. So if you have the opportunity when you see someone is sad to say, I care about you. I love you, and I'm here for you. Is there something I can do for you? You are not only going to help God show them that the person who is sad is loved, but you might help to be one of the wonderful things that helps them get through that sadness. So that's what we're focusing on this week, how to help other people when they are sad and how to help other people remember that not only does God love them, but we who are the church, we love them too. I hope you're going to have the opportunity to do that week this week to show somebody even when they're not feeling wonderful and happy and joyful, that you still love them and care about them. And you will be doing something very wonderful for Jesus. So hopefully you'll get to do that this week. And I look forward to hearing about it if you want to share those stories with me. Thank you very much for listening. And so now we are going to get to hear that same scripture. Like I said, this scripture is coming from the book of Psalms. It comes from Psalm 22. 
So it's song 22 out of 150 that are in the Bible. And before I read to you these words from King David, I'm going to invite us to take a moment and pray. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, as we are preparing to open our ears and our minds to hear your word, help us to open our hearts as well, that the Holy Spirit may once more move within us to rekindle our joy in you and stoke the fires of our faith to help us recognize that we are not just those who call ourselves Christians. We are those who strive to be disciples, actively and freely following Jesus wherever he may lead us so that we will help those who are struggling. We will remind those who feel abandoned, lost, and alone that you have never forsaken them. And that for those who need to experience your goodness, your mercy, and your grace, may we be part of that expression of your incredible love for them. Lord, thank you so much for giving us this gift of scripture, this time in worship with you. And we pray that what we experience this day will transform us, that we may help to transform this world into one where more and more people recognize that they are yours, that they belong with you in your home, and that ultimately, Almighty God, you will forgive us and redeem us and sustain us as long as we shall live and bring us home to you for eternal life forevermore. May that be the glorious message that we share, not just this day, but every day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So these are the words of Psalm 22, verses 6 through 21a. But I am worn, a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me. They make mouths at me. They shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord. Let him deliver. Let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from my mother's womb. You kept me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lions. They, I, pour, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a pot shard, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs are all around me. A company of evildoers encircles me. My hands and feet have shriveled. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst themselves, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far away. O oh, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. So this morning we are continuing our worship series on A Light in the Darkness, A Portrait of Mental Health in Scripture. And what we discover is that today, King David seems to be expressing something that many teenagers, adults, and more and more children are experiencing, and that is the painfulness of depression. Now, depression is often conflated with sadness, but they're not the same things. It is normal for human beings to have feelings of sadness, and they may stretch over several days especially if someone has died or if there is a circumstance that is not resolved by the end of the day, we might feel sadness. 
But sadness that lasts for more than two weeks is something that is now considered moving into depression. And depression is a horrible thing to experience, just as cancer is the body kind of turning against the body and destroying itself from within. Depression is a cancer of the mind. It starts to turn our own minds against us. It starts to make us wonder if we truly are loved. It makes us question everything. It changes our moods. It changes the way that we think about ourselves. It changes the way we think and relate to things around us and other people around us. And even though we yearn to be whole, even though we experience these times where we are so desperately seeking to be made healthy again, in the midst of the darkness of depression, oftentimes people experience the suffering that is the tearing at relationships that they find are so important that they don't want to cause harm and hurt to. Depression can make us act as if we are not ourselves. And we feel as if there is nothing we can do about it. We might lose our motivations. We might lose the very characteristics that defined us in a wonderful way, not just to ourselves and self-esteem, but the way that other people held us in esteem. And that loss and that vulnerability can be earth-shattering. And so today in the scripture, when we heard the psalmist, King David, talking about this state in which he is, he feels like there is no one to support him. He starts to describe not only the pain that he feels in his mind, but how it has affected his body, that he has lost weight, that his skin has dried out and shriveled, and he can count all of his bones because one of the signs of depression might be that a person stops eating. They have a loss of appetite and they lose weight. Although another sign could be that you gain appetite, you're comforting yourself through the eating of food and you gain weight. And so the really important thing about depression, both in the scriptures and in the church and in our modern world, is that we have to look at more than just what we see in an instant. Relationships with people are important because they give us the opportunity to put in context what we see, which is why God calls us to live in community. It's not just about accountability or being able to actually count how many people are with us. It's about cultivating relationships so when things become dark and potentially dangerous to ourselves, there are those that know who we are and can say, this is not how I know Sarah. This is not the Sarah that I have known and clearly something is going on. What is going on with you? How can we help? And because we have established relationships and we are connected, we are more likely to share, to be honest, because it involves being authentic and deeply vulnerable. And knowing that in that moment of authenticity and vulnerability, that those who are with us in the body of Christ are not going to take advantage of that. They're not going to exploit the painful, difficult truths that we are willing to share. This becomes so vital because almost one in five adults, almost one in five youth, teenagers, experience depression. That's a mind-altering and a potentially life-changing experience with a deep, dark sadness. And we don't want people to think that in those moments that they can't be with us because they can't sing with joy or they're such a downer. It's really important for the body of Christ to recognize that there is a time for us to sit with those who mourn. This is something God shows with us repeatedly. And it's not just mourning someone who has died as we do at a funeral or afterwards when we care for them in congregational care and acts of pastoral care. This is about recognizing that even if we don't understand the trigger, even if we on the outside don't understand what has happened within that incredible gift of God, that mind, 
we recognize that we are called to be with people. We are called to be with them in the joys. We are called to be with them in the concerns. We are called to be with them in the trials and the tribulations. Even if they don't understand what caused it, even if we can't figure out what caused it, that is not the, the piece of the puzzle that we have to have. Instead, sometimes we trust that God knows and sends us to be part of the healing process that God wants for all people. There are multiple times in the scriptures when Jesus encounters people who seem to be suffering from this kind of painful mental illness, people who feel like they are no longer any good, people who have been cast aside, people who were rejected, people who for various reasons were told that they are not part of society and that nobody wants them. But Jesus, through his presence, his kindness, and his words of assurance told them, I want you. God wants you. And when you are depressed, it's so important to hear that you are of worth, that there are those who love you. And David was crying out for that. One of the incredible things about King David is that even as he testifies in the psalm, he knew God. From the time that he was taken from the womb, he says, I have known you. You have been my God. My mother brought me forth into life, and then I came to you. And this is especially recalled in the scriptures when as a very young man, well into his little teenage years, David was anointed and was named to be the next king. And during that time, God continued to shine brightly upon David and show him the future, show him the way, allow him to cultivate his gifts, his joy of music, and use that in his ministry, but also to take his courage and his intense love of God and use it to bless other people, whether he was battling Goliath so that others didn't have to risk themselves, or whether he was leading his people when outside invaders would threaten the kingdom of Israel, David continually sought to do God's will. But in his moment of darkness, in his moment of depression and mental anguish, the one thing David has is knowledge that God does exist and that he is God's. And above all, God cares about him, which is why he cries out to God, asking for God to hear his prayer, to not abandon him. Show me signs of your love is what the psalm says. Show me that I am not who I feel that I am right now, that all of the good that I have done has not been washed away and all that I once was can once more be restored, that this is not the end of me. And as Christians and disciples and as the church and the body of Christ, we are called to offer that same witness on behalf of God to others, that they are known, they are loved, they are of sacred worth, and that they are not defined by their current state of illness, disease, or any sign of imperfection. But instead, it is precisely because that God reaches out through love and concern of others to show us that we are precious in the sight of God. It's a wonderful thing to know that even King David understood what it was like to question our place in the world and who we were supposed to be. But we have to marvel at his conviction about God. And one of those gifts is that he, from a young age, knew God. This is one of the gifts that, as the church, we can give to others. When we recognize that about one out of every five teenagers is going to experience a period of depression, 
that can be a mind and life-altering period of over two weeks that they are dwelling in the same darkness from which David cries out in Psalm 22. It becomes vital for us to make sure that they know that no matter how they feel, God is with them. Because when people start to question whether or not God loves them and knows them and wants them, that's when they truly start to spin into a dark place. If even God doesn't want me, then who am I? But we know that God wants everyone. That God has found us all worth God's attention, worthy of receiving God's grace if we choose to have it. God gives it to us because it is God's desire. Nowhere does God say, I'm done. I'm just walking away from you. I can't do this anymore. God does not divorce us. God does not cast us out, kick us out, tear up our lease in life. God says, I want to be with you so very much. I have come to you as God the Father. I have come to you as God the Son, Jesus Christ. I am with you now as God the Holy Spirit, the advocate and the comforter. And sometimes God chooses to come to us in human vessels, to hold our hand when there are no words, to mourn alongside us and to cry if necessary so that those tears may be the catharsis we need to allow us to be cleansed of those feelings and the darkness. God reminds us continually that God not only wants to be with us, but God is sending others so that where God is, we may be also. It's a choice as a disciple. It's about choosing to be with others. And oftentimes in our modern society, we tend to think about mental illness as if it is communicable, as if I can't hang around with those people because I too shall become sick. But the difference with a Christian is that we know that God is our shield, that God is the one that will continue to help us and allow us to be with them. Not that we won't feel what they feel, but that God will help us to be sustained as we are living present reminders that God is with us. And that's so important for us not to let our fears and our concerns keep us from doing the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus was with people who were drastically sick, broken, cast aside. He didn't worry that he was going to catch their leprosy. He didn't worry that he was going to catch their mental illness. He didn't worry that he was going to catch their social ostracization. Instead, he knew that with he, when he was with them, they would experience the grace of God. And that's our call, to be very cognizant of those who cry out and say, I am not well. Oftentimes, Christians are really quick to respond to those who are physically ill, who are experiencing physical disease. But we have to be just as quick for those who are ex experiencing it here. We can't allow something as devastating as depression to destroy even one of God's precious flock. Instead, we have to continually be aware and to strive and recognize that the wholeness and the joy that Jesus promises to us is not just in our body and in our spirit, it is in our minds. And that a huge piece of that might be the interconnectedness between each other that the gift of relationship is what allows us to not only endure and survive, but to thrive in this life. It's so important for us to remind others that they are loved. That's why we teach our children in the preschool and in the church ministries for children. That's why it's so important that youth have the opportunity. Because 
a lot of the major episodes of depression that people experience, they might experience in their childhood and their youth, but the National Institute for Mental Health tells us that most of us will experience life-altering depression for the first time in our 20s and our 30s. And it has become a more modern occurrence that a lot of people are not within the church in that age range, that they are not currently connected and deeply embedded in the relationships with other Christians. And so in the midst of that horrible experience when their mind is under assault from within, they might not have the opportunity to hear that they are known and loved and that not only God, but the people of God are with them. This is one of the reasons why it's so important for us to love and to develop a relationship with children and teenagers who are not our own. It's important so that if they ever start to hear from within, I am not loved, I am not worthy, everyone is against me and I am no good, that there are relationships that will become lifelines, that will reach out to them and say, I love you. And not only do I love you, but I know that God loves you. Those are those incredible gifts of grace that God enables every Christian of every age to give. I have watched as God's goodness and grace and love has been poured out from children onto adults. I have watched when adults have taken the time and stepped out of their busyness and, and all of their duties to establish a relationship with a teenager that is not their own. And in their moment of need, that teenager was reminded that God loves them and that they are not alone because we are a people who are constantly barraged by messages and by all kinds of interactions that are negative and hurtful. And if in a moment of weakness we begin to internalize those things, it becomes a threat to our livelihood and our life. And God has been trying to pour out upon us not only blessings that we can experience and bring us joy, but blessings in word telling us time and time again, I love you. I am for you. I will not forsake you or abandon you. I have gone to the ends of the earth to redeem you. I have gone to death and back so that you can have life. And I have given you all of this because I want to be not just a part of your life. I want to be your life. And while Christians are not immune to depression, while Christians have incredible times of mental anguish and experience the darkness of that, the church is one of those things that God gives to us to help us not only get through those periods, but help us help other people, perhaps not have them at all. I know last week when we launched our two worship services, I had gone through all kinds of sadness and depression in the midst of this isolation, but there was something so powerful about last week. At the conclusion of the 9.30 worship service from the music that we had and the, 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 the dynamic that had changed, I felt my entire being lifted. I felt like I could walk on the ceiling. And I realized it's because that means of grace that is worshiping God in community seeing people that I know and love and I know love me was what I needed. It's so powerful. And if that's true for me, imagine what it's true for a 17-year-old who is struggling with all the burdens and the expectations and the change in their body chemistry and the way their mind is beginning to work. Imagine how important it is for the young adult who is independent and off on their own, but 
missing the connectivity and the love that they have known all of their life. New pressures and new expectations that are beginning to eat away at their esteem and create new fears for them. Imagine how it is for the adult who has had success in almost every facet of their life, but now because of a drastic change in the circumstances and in the way their family is, they might start to be qu question everything that has come before because suddenly everything is different and I don't know how to respond. That is why the gift of God in the church is so vital. And it's not just the clergy. It's not just our lay leaders. Every single one of us has a crucial role to play in the church. As I tell people all the time, when we gather for worship, I'm usually here. But a lot of the most crucial bonds and relationships happen out there. And it's some of the most important bonds and relationships you are going to make that allow people to experience the grace of Jesus Christ may happen in the church, but they may happen where you go when you're not in church. And we need worship and the small group experience and the relationships of the church to encourage us and make us courageous so that when someone cries out, our response is, God loves you and so do I. Because the first thing most people say is, why? Why does God love me? Have you seen what I am? Have you seen what I don't do or the things that I have done and the pain it has caused? And the answer that comes from Jesus Christ through us is, yes, and God still loves you. God still knows you. And God has sent us to be proof of that love. But we need to feel courageous and sustained in order to be that voice. So may that strengthen our resolve to be connected in deeply meaningful ways, not just with the church, but the body of Christ and other Christians. And may we find ways, even as we are continuing to be in moments of isolation and ease our way back into the world, that we find those crucial moments to edify and encourage and above all to remind that every human being is a person of God beloved, cherished, forgiven, and saved. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Now is the time when we would traditionally worship the Lord with our tithes and our offerings. And so if you would like to do that, we will graciously uh, receive them and celebrate the goodness of God that comes to bring honor and glory, but also to be a gift and a reminder Oftentimes, the ministry of the church is tightly connected between not only the things that we are able to do because of generous giving, but the things that we are willing to do. It takes human beings to then take these gifts and put them out into the world in mission and ministry. And we are so thankful for both here at Crozet United Methodist Church. So for your willingness to be a part of that, even when sometimes we feel so disconnected, we are deeply filled with gratitude, not just here in the sanctuary today, but the entire body of Christ that is Crozet United Methodist Church gives thanks for your presence, your prayers, your gifts, and your service and witness. So as we continue to receive those, I'm going to lift up a prayer of thanksgiving for them. Will you pray with me? Lord, throughout your earthly ministry embodied in Jesus Christ, you reminded us that you could take something and use it to miraculously enrich lives. That through the willingness of a young child to give his fishes and his loaves, his 
very earthly lunch, that you could take that and not just share it, but multiply it immensely so that one who was willing to be selfless empowered you to feed thousands. May this still be true this day, that through the gifts of the body of Christ, you will enable us to continue to preach the good news, to be there when people cry out with the need to receive the goods and the gifts of the church, the things freely given for your honor and glory. We rejoice that the Holy Spirit still makes miracles happen and that one of the greatest ways that we can enable that is through our free response to your call to come to give and to give selflessly. May it be so, Almighty God, that our gifts and our presence may be part of the fabric of faith that is continually woven to shelter those in the storm, to surround them with tangible signs of love in their dark moments, and to continue to create even more space, not only in your heart, but in your home, so that all may understand that they are yours, first and forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Our closing song today is Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.